0: Hello there. This is CSW, creator of Hemophobia. As you may have read from the podcast description, this show is a seasonal anthology horror podcast, meaning that every season is its own separate and unrelated story, and you can start with any season when listening to it. Today, I am very proud to present to you Season 1 of Hemophobia, which is a story called Camp Havenside. It is a story that I have been working on for seven years, and I am very, very excited to present it to you in its full form, with episodes released bi-weekly. If you are a fan of Hemophobia and you would like the show to continue to exist, please support the Patreon at any tier from $3 to $7 to $15 a month. In return, you'll receive early access to new episodes, a mini-episode made based off of you and your fears, and even access to virtual live shows wherein I perform material from Hemophobia streamed for all of you. Also included is access to the patron-only Discord server where you can chat with myself, chat with other fans, and also have access to regular live streams as well. Join the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash cswhorror, no dots, no dashes, and the link for it is down in the description as well. If you are a fan of Hemophobia and other podcasts as well, you can always support the show by subscribing to Apollo+. Plus. Apollo is an audio fiction-only podcatcher app with the best interface I have seen in any podcatcher app, and by subscribing to their paid service Apollo+, for just $10 a month, you'll receive a variety of content such as early access to episodes, ad-free listening, and bonus episodes as well, from shows like the SCP Archives, 13, and Mayfair Watchers Society. From Hemophobia, you will receive early access to new episodes, as well as ad-free listening, and other perks along the way. To sweeten the deal, the second episode of Camp Havenside is already live and listenable on Apollo Plus right now. You can access Apollo Plus by downloading the Apollo Podcasts app, or by going to www.apollopods.com. The link is in the episode notes as well. Today's episode is brought to you by patrons Daniel Hiras, Drew Kellogg, Dan Williams, Joy Dupey, Daniel James, Angela Michelle, and Natalie White. Now presenting, Camp side As always, Hemophobia is a horror podcast and thus contains very graphic content. All content warnings can be found in the episode notes down below. The role of Sam and the blood are played by myself. The role of Grace is played by Kayla Temshiv. The role of Shane is played by Mason Amadeus. The role of Molly is played by Brooke Jeanette. The role of Judith is played by Annika Hanson. The role of Timothy is played by Brad Colbrook. The role of Thatcher is played by James Oliva. The role of Calvin Sanders is played by Jordan Reed. The role of Dennis Reeves is played by Ian Everson. The role of Heather is played by Talmanier. The role of Malcolm Gray is played by Graham Rowat. Ensemble is played by Dustin Parsons, Caroline Minks, Tucker, and Haberlin Roberts. The choir is made up of Brooke Jeanette, Mason Amadeus, Haberlin Roberts, Caleb Ritchie, Atticus White, and Noel Woolery. Additional vocals contributed by Annika Handsome. All writing and sound design by CSW. Enjoy Sunday and look out for Monday, coming Monday, November 13th. Camp Haven Side is for Natalie, for the hell we went through and the heaven we never received. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. Mark 8, verses 22 through 26.
1: Sunday Really want forgiveness? That was
0: that he is. will come the greatest. You want to want hear any of it? I don't ever did. Amos, oh, Ezekiel, the, That's the driver That was true across the Some. world in all religions. Amos, Amos.
1: I don't know, the Lord I haven't and read him. that one.
2: Really? He is coming. Confusions. Do you think that is? Confusions.
1: Are you exactly you think are you I to I He asks us to give up our bodies as living and sacrifice. To to I just ruin. Ruin. He does not beat around the bush. He, he decides because, because of the, the hands evil
0: to have done It's so hot, and I don't want to sweat all over myself, but goodness knows what all is out there. something Your right eye causes you to stumble. I don't think it's Gouge it out. God, love to to say that. God loves love, 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 yeah, so God do we loves love, something love, God, so. love, love, God, so love, God love is
2: world. do. not a to be a little a of God. little bit of a of a little bit of a little bit of will little loves a little bit You will little a
0: loves
1: You'll yeah, like, uh, uh, be
0: tempted to eat all of them. All
2: together,
1: you'll bigger at
2: a smaller we all do. It, oh. I didn't want to make I did Sexual immorality. And, God. So love 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 God. and debauchery. Yes. yes. Idolatry. Just yes. <laughs> you. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes.
0: Jealousy. Yes. No. It's <podcast>. It's <podcast>. He kept listening.
2: And he hid. He hid from God, in shame of his nakedness.
0: He swallowed. His throat was cracked with thirst.
2: Adam and Jesus
0: hides from the Lord,
2: tries to cover himself up, tries to keep God from seeing his ugliness. And is that not us? Is that not what we do daily? Try to cover our shame, our ugliness, our sin?
0: His eyes slid open, shut, then in between, suspended in a greenish blur.
2: And I say, Lord, I am unsightly. I am unsightly before thine eyes. I am nothing before you, I am but the grime and grit beneath your feet. How could you ever choose someone like me? Because we, as God's creation, have not been good to him. Right? We've turned our backs on God more times than we can count. We've disobeyed him, sinned against him chosen our own selfish desires over him we've nailed him to a cross why would we deserve his love
0: sam's vision flitted between sleep and wake as the voice the voice of the preacher from that very morning flitted alongside him out of sync
2: but it's in these verses in these verses he says no 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 you My people, you are my bride. Nothing in this world could ever separate you from my love. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you sin, I will never, never turn my back on you.
0: Sam
2: inhaled. Amen, brothers and sisters.
0: Amen. He exhaled, and the verse faded. But it was replaced by other things, other sounds, other sights, one coming quick through the darkness toward him. He did not recognize it until it reached him, and he saw it wasn't so much an image as it was words, many words, like writing on a black wall.
2: And you? My son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve Him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek Him, you will be found by.
0: Felt to close, already shut. When they felt to open, the words were gone. So he listened and heard, asked and received.
2: The all tells us, urges us, implores us, all of Christians. He begs us, writes. Us. Therefore, I urge, brothers and sisters. God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy pleasing to God. A living sacrifice. That is what God asks of us.
0: Sam, listen.
2: A living sacrifice. That is what God asks of us. To offer up our bodies. Offer up everything to him. Sam, This morning, church family, I ask you: are you up to it? Are you ready to meet that ask?
0: Sam felt a lurch inside of him. Are you ready
2: to lay down everything
0: you want? His skin was grimy. Everything. Heavy. She pursed he his lips. Every piece ran of a every tongue over the inside to of lay his it cheeks.
2: All at the feet.
0: As they all continued, continued to shout, to laugh,
2: to whisper, but that's not the end of the story.
0: He tried to hear all of them, but could not. And all that he heard, he couldn't hear clearly. And that which he tried to hear most of all, he could not find. And was it the composite voice of all voices? He stood bewildered in the center of. Or was it there, somewhere in the midst with him, hiding or denying him its presence? You don't need it. You did his ears before. At all. This Unfit is not a father the secret of their friends. This flush. is an offer. And if something what of him?
2: God is offering you the gift of himself. The gift of his blood. The gift the of his, gift of his, of his, his presence. Presence. presence in your, in your, your life. life. You and that's so my brother, is so salute.
0: It's a gift encapsulated in his memory from just a few hours before.
2: Why on earth? Would you ever want to turn down such a gift?
0: And amid the voices, the verses, the sounds, Sam could no longer hear himself. Then it was quiet. Sam looked up, or tried to. He found that his face was already turned directly upwards. So he looked down. There was a dark light. Distant, but seeming to become closer, was an arrangement of lights, suspended in darkness. Seven burning torches stood before him, arranged in a nearly completed circle. The open side was facing him. Between them was a shape. It was tall, it was wide, it was rough on the sides, jagged and uneven, its edges just barely illuminated. Sam could not see anything more than this. He wondered if it could see him. Who are you? It was a few moments after Sam asked this, that he realized he could hear his own voice again. There were no other sounds to lose himself within. Just a lonesome, unwitnessed, almost holy silence most holy. The shape did not reply. No sound at all came from it, or from anywhere. Just Sam's question, echoing through the obscurity, reverberating all
1: around him. All
0: It struck Sam's eyelids, and he opened them. He sat up, rubbed his eyes. His forehead peeled off the glass of the bus window, and his dream vanished from memory. He blinked. He looked outside, squinting against the rays falling upon him. And found, half silhouetted in front of them, a sign. It read Camp Haven said, made beautiful with a multitude of branches. Sam picked up his Bible as the youth group excitedly rose from its seats. A gentle twilight faded the campgrounds into gray and the reddening sun vanished. Sam walked down a gravel road that ran parallel to the parked bus. He didn't know where the road led. All the others had stayed to explore the cabins further or play Ultimate Frisbee in the field. He polished his glasses with his shirt and looked on. He sucked water from the tube of a camelback pouch on his back. At his side was a view bathed in dying light. White tin roofs on squat brick buildings, gray gazebos and picnic tables of scant red paint, and a towering oak tree circled by an angular wooden bench. Each church's vehicle sat one behind the other, parked just beside the girls' cabins like watchful sentinels. Behind them, clotheslines strung between trees like a protective net over the cabins, and campers passed between doors, their hair wet. And on Sam's right, a long wall of trees. As he turned toward it, the wall yielded an abrupt gap in the trees. The branches peeled back to form an opening. At its base was a brick pathway that turned quickly into stairs. He could hear voices down there. He stepped forward. The brush was thick, but navigable. Each narrow step was a small yet precarious ledge against which his feet skirted. Shambled. As the sun died, shades of green and brown looked grayer with each second, muddled together with bark and soil. Through the branches, slanted lines of red sunlight marked the pathway. And it was all still. Sam finally descended the last stair, stepping out of the trees and into the sunlight onto a dewy, leaf-strewn circle of ground. To his left, the makeshift tunnel opened back up upon a muddy walkway. Next to it was open grass and a huddle of teenagers. The land beyond them formed into a small peninsula that jutted into a mossy lake. Sam looked at the ripples on the surface. On the opposite shore was a makeshift wooden cross high atop a distant declivity.
1: Oh,
2: Timothy, you may have a savior. Sam has come to reap my soul.
0: Sam looked at the people in front of him. Shane, grinning toothily between two middle-parted brown bangs, held shut the door to a small, ramshackle cabin next to the peninsula. Four girls in tie-dye shirts and athletic shorts watched, laughing and murmuring. What's the happening? Well...
2: It's a simple story. It begins with Timothy outside of this door, and then it ends with, well...
0: It's been going on like this for several minutes.
2: And all thanks to our benefactor, Molly, over there. She said... I already said Mm -mm. to let him out. She said I should trap somebody inside to find out what it's like. I said I wonder what it's like in there. You weren't walking in there yourself now, were you? Rather have a man go in for you, a big, strong man like Timothy go in for you.
0: Sam looked closer at the cabin. Weeds stood invasively high, reaching even higher around that little veiled and vine covered structure, sunken into the ground. He studied it. It was dimly similar to the cabins now far behind him, but nowhere near synonymous ivy and leafed strands grew off it in proportion to its decay. Its walls were stained, nearly caved in. Swift and percussive pounds beat the door from inside, held back by Shane's thick, pale arms, all but bare through his olive tank top. Molly squatted on thick legs, her black hair dangling in union with the grass, watching and giggling.
2: Not my fault, Timothy. Molly just enjoys watching the suffering of others.
0: I do not. She's a
2: greedy, greedy lady. She just, she wants what she wants. That's it.
0: The door knocked Shane away as Timothy's emerging head collided with him, barely meeting Shane's chest. Timothy threw a thin arm around in a right hook, scuffling, resting Stop. with Shane. Come on. Away from the cabin. Oh the door remained open, gaping. Its barely hinged mouth was ajar, meshed in foliage of massive lengths and densities. Blades blowing lightly in the breeze. Like it was breathing. Your turn! Two hands struck into his shoulder blades, shoving him through the open door. Perceived in the room. Branches were invited through fissures in the iron, over which they crawled obsessively, forcibly demonstrated dominion. A few bed bunks stood, though empty of any mattresses. A cabin, then. It smelled vaguely foul. The floor was littered with leaves and neglect. The ceiling bore broken bulbs of a light fixture, bone like shards like a claw. Though the walls were of thin iron, a hush coated the air thick, heavy. Not of noise removed, but silence put deliberately in place. A cabin. directly in front of Sam, in a gap between bunks. A small amalgamation of vines formed an obscure shape, some indistinct insignia, beginning and ending on the wall. The shape was about the size of his Bible and consisted of crude lines coagulating into a roughly humanoid shape. Its head and torso were masses of squiggles, as were its outstretched arms, ending with jagged and pointed fingers sticking outwards as if in reception or approach. In that cabin it was all black, all a blend of thin strokes and colorless lines, against a grey background that elucidated nothing, made everything unreadable, made uncertainty permanent.
2: In there, anyway.
0: Molly entered, leaving the door open and letting in a shaft of light. Sam saw with clarity. The shape was not of vines at all, rather ink. Sam could now see the gaps between the lines, the wall behind the scrawling, and, under the figure's right arm, a small subtitle. Gilly.
2: What is that?
0: Molly came to Sam's side. <sighs> Gilly.
2: Gilly. Well, he looks pleasant.
0: Sam turned to see Shane pressing up against the back of a girl, sticking his fingers into her sides. Shane, stop
2: it! That <laughs> Someone's awful handsy.
0: Molly exited the cabin. Sam turned back to the portrait. Then he turned around and exited the cabin, closing the door soundly behind him.
1: All right, y'all, let me hear you say it. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Excellent, excellent. Wonderful, all right, y'all, be seated. Take a seat, take a seat, take a seat. How about that worship? Real moving stuff. Yeah, Dennis, Dennis, just so you know, whenever I'm going in my car, singing along to the radio, y'all still sing, I try to do my best impression of you every time. It doesn't always work out real well, but I still do my best. Now, this year, as many of you know, and as Dennis mentioned earlier, this is the first sermon that Camp Havenside has had since the 70s or so? 1970s? Before y'all were born, before your time. I think it was the 70s. So it's been a while. Now, when it comes to camp themes, I was sitting down. Really trying to think about it, prayed about it, asked the Lord what He thought I should deliver to y'all this week. And honestly, I think it's pretty simple, but it goes a long way, well, it goes a long way if you understand it right. And the theme for this week, and I want y'all to really think about this, is WILL, capitalized W-I-L-L, WILL. Now, what does that mean? What is a will? What does that imply? Where? Where does that begin? What does the word even mean? We can ask that for starters, right? Well, the dictionary defines it as control deliberately exerted to do something or to restrain one's own impulses. Okay, so that's what it means as far as vocabulary goes. But as far as the base definition of the word, right? You with me so far? What does that mean for us, for followers of God? Now, it's no secret that in the Bible, there are a lot of pretty prominent examples of how one's will plays a role in what we think, how we act, and most importantly, what we believe. And these definitions, I think, match up perfectly. If we turn to the book of Job, middle of the Old Testament, yeah, we're going back to the Old Testament, we find a prime example of how will directly affects our faith in God. So this guy, Job, you all know the story, loses just about everything he owns, his cattle, his home, his daughters, all of it's gone. And Job's down there saying, God, why? Why did this have to happen? Why did you have to take all these things from me? But it is written that while he grieves all of his losses, chapter 1, verse 22, it's written, In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing." That right there is the second half of the definition. Control deliberately exerted to restrain one's own impulses. Job is saying, no, I'm not gonna let these things destroy me. I'm gonna continue to praise God and honor his name above all. He's controlling his impulses. An impulse we all have, really, the impulse to blame God, to curse him, to pin it all on the big man upstairs, right? Y'all with me so far? But we all know the story. Eventually, God goes a little farther, takes Job's health away from him, and suddenly it's like that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and Job loses it. In chapter 3, Job cries out, May the day of my birth perish. And the night that said, a boy is conceived. That day, may it turn to darkness. He says, God, that's it. I've had it up to here. I'm through with you doing all these things to me for no reason. And he curses God's name. And as we all know, that doesn't go so well for him in the end, does it? We all know the story. God puts Job in his place, right? God puts him down says, no, no, that's not how this conversation's going to happen. And he demonstrates to Job just how small, just how limited Job and his perspective really are. Those of you who have read the book know that is a nasty passage. It's some less than tender words from our Father. So why? Why does God do this? Why does God go out of His way to put Job through so much trouble and then humble Job so thoroughly? The answer, I think, is this. Now listen. It's that we as Christians cannot fall into the same mistake that Job makes. And God had to teach Job that lesson. Clearly, it was one he had yet to learn. I'll tell you now, guys, there's a lot of bad things out there in the world, right? Some of you already know that. You're saying, yeah, Calvin, that ain't exactly breaking news, okay? And it's not. It's no secret. There are a lot of bad things out there, just like the bad things that happened to Joe. But does that mean those bad things contradict our one good thing? Did all that torture and suffering that Job had to go through invalidate God's presence in Job's life? The plan that God had for Job? Did it mean that God had turned his back on Job? I don't think so. So why should all the bad things in this world, and some of them you may have already been through, you may be in the same place Job was, saying, God, why? Why me? Why did you let this happen to me? But Scripture tells us, tells us in this book that just because those bad things happen doesn't mean it contradicts the plan that God has for each and every one of you, just like he had for Job. So think about this week. Amidst all the good things I know we're excited for, we're excited for worship, we're excited for Frisbee, okay? We're excited for flagpole every morning at 8 a.m. sharp. I know y'all are, okay? But amidst those things, let's talk about the bad things. What are the bad things that might happen here at Camp Havenside? What is it that's going to try to distract you or bring you down? Try to get in the way of you connecting with God and spending this week with our Lord. Are you going to stand up, face up to those things and say, no, not going to happen. You are not going to get me down. I'm going to praise the Lord, my God, no matter what. Or are you going to let those bad things ruin the week for you like Job did? and then curse God for it. Let's pray.
0: Night was falling. The water of the pond became still, dark. The grass grew crisper, firmer. The hum of locusts rose in the air. The stars gleamed down from above, but in the forest they were not visible. And as the colors of the forest changed, the warmth of sunlight withdrew from Camp Haven's side. She dipped the marshmallow directly into the fire. Sam's fingers tapped on the empty log beneath him. The sun had long since set. Leaving a jewel-studded sky in its place. Sam glanced around the fireside. There were exchanges between campers, distantly, words that he couldn't hear. Shane and Molly sat beside him.
2: You know, something tells me we wouldn't get away with that one. <laughs> but what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> what a vocabulary! Where did you come up with this stuff, huh? Excuse you, Missy.
0: Sam looked forward again, away from them. The flames licked and flickered upwards as if to reach her, conscious brown eyes baked in an auburn glaze. Thin blue cotton hung around a form already wiry. Around her head, like a tranquilized serpent, was a chestnut ponytail, tamed and neglected, barely visible aback the nighttime. Eyes lay vacant on the flames. A vaguely curved mouth. Side by side with solitude. Her eyes, lips, and hands closed. A quiet reservation.
1: Okay, everybody. Hey, everybody. Listen up.
0: The wide and muscular shape of Calvin Sanders interrupted the fire, light glowing atop his buzzed scalp. In his arms was the tiny shape of young Isaiah, Barely visible, silhouetted by fire.
1: Listen, I won't stand here very long. I already took up your time today on stage. But little Isaiah just wanted to say goodbye. He's headed back home tonight with his mama. But he wanted to see y'all off. But yeah, that's it. Have a good night. Everybody get in bed soon. You can get the flagpole on time tomorrow. And other than that, uh, make sure to check out the stars tonight because let me tell you, out here, you are gonna see some lights up there. You cannot see anywhere else but the wilderness. I'll tell you that much. All right, get some sleep.
0: Calvin dissolved back into the darkness. Sam looked up. Light gleamed in the night sky, dim, barely visible, polluted by the orange flame at Sam's feet. He looked back down at the campfire as it destroyed something else to make its light. He looked back up to the stars as they destroyed themselves. The glow was different. The result was the same.
2: For dust you are.
0: Sam put his palms behind him and leaned back into a lack of light, sound, or breath. Eyelids closed. The ground beneath him continued to shift, a rock continuing its endless orbit, pulling along the thin string of time, and everything dragging all tethered behind it. His eyelids tightened. His fingers gripped and pulled out blades of grass as if to epilate the earth, to wound the world. They all had it. Each of the souls around the campfire had it. They spoke of it, sang of it, boasted of it even. But it was nowhere inside of him. He felt its absence keenly, clear to him in that constant simulation of eventual absence. That space between lid and Iris where his whole existence was contained forever before him in the day and the impossible night alike. Nowhere inside of him. He had searched already, fathomed already, listened measuredly to the acoustics of his heart, felt closely around the sinews of his mind. But it was not there. And if it was not there, then where could he find it? And if he could not find it, then he could not have it. And if he could not have it, maybe he was never meant to humble enough to see it, never strong enough to hold it. One day, all would be as it should be, and he would remain there on the ground without needing to be cast back down. One day the stone would not need to be rolled away. One day the search would be final and fruitless. And the rest of heaven and earth would have no consciousness of the irregularity that was him. No consciousness of any song he had sung. Of any hymn that he had been. The whole struggle would be swallowed by the closing of a coffin laying in the dry desert of his soul. The only temptation worth giving into. As eyelids closed. Two dust. You will return. Well, it's open. The stars were there. Away from the fire he could see them more clearly lights interrupting the black, twinkling mutedly. Holes opened in the fabric of the sky. They were unmoving. No sound from inside him threatened them, towering miles above the soil into which his body was pressing. The earth beneath him upon him ever shifted, but the stars were constant above talk of campfires and cabins and swimming pools and frisbees and water coolers and chapels carried on under the sun. But it was all in ownership of the stars. He adjusted his glasses.
1: Some lights there you cannot see anywhere else but the wilderness.
0: Camp side Earth. Water. Blazing sun forest in all directions and somewhere hidden a garden a broken cistern cracked an eternal thirst stars made crosses in the sky
2: they will ask the way to zion and turn their faces toward it They will come and bind themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant
0: that will not be forgotten. Sam's lips resealed themselves, and with them, a covenant. Brenda Sanders sat in the driver's seat of the minivan and slid the key into the ignition. Brenda Sanders buckled and disengaged the emergency brake. Brenda Sanders shifted gear into reverse and pulled out on the dirt road. Isaiah, you sleep talking again? Brenda Sanders turned around. Isaiah? His eyes were open, his head hung backwards against the seat, as if dead and determined to show his dead face. Drool slipped slow and thick down the side of his mouth.
1: Isaiah? You you alright?
0: What is it, honey? It can <laughs> Honey, honey, it's, it's okay. Don't be scared, it's okay. Nothing was here before us, so honey, nothing.
2: nothing. Nothing came here. You don't have anything to be afraid of. Nothing is here that didn't come with us. Okay? Yeah. hmm